Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to Ask OTC, the show where we answer all of your questions from the week in European football. I'm Dawson Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Miguel Delaney. This question from Will on Instagram. I saw Miguel has been reporting about this for a while. Why did Zvonimir Boban quit UEFA? And what does it mean going forwards? Uh, I think it has huge meaning because it is the first public move, I would say, in what has been an ongoing civil war within UEFA that could eventually lead to huge changes. Uh, the core of this is basically that um, uh, Alexander Sheffron, the current UEFA president from Slovenia, Boban was one of seen as one of his key allies, especially given that um, Sheffron's circle is largely from the Balkans and, of course, Boban is a Croatian legend. But there has been increasing dissatisfaction with how UEFA has been run. With this coming to a head, with how uh, th- just this week, uh, member associations were sent uh, proposed changes to the statutes that would mean Sheffron uh, could potentially stay on to 2031, which would be 15 years. Uh, and that is because, although they're about to bring in changes that would set uh, term limits of just three for any, any potential president. The the issue here is that there was there was going to be an addition that would mean, or a, or a, or a certain wording that would mean Sheffron's first term, which uh, took over from Michel Plantini, isn't included. And, you know, as, as Boban has said in his statement this morning, that that goes against the, uh, the, the reforms that Sheffron himself was supposed to lead. And it's seen as part of a wider trend where... Um, where Sheffron is, I suppose one of the descriptions to me was that he's lost in power, uh, that the way he's insulated himself at the least is kind of uh, an illustration of the old days of government. But I think that just speaks to a much bigger issue of football, which is what the executive presidential structure does to um, to the game, to the people that fill these positions. And it's actually, I think it's an absurdity, that especially a game now with so much global power, where the um the, the Champions League and top level European football is essentially the pinnacle of global sport and arguably the most popular cultural pursuit it's ever been. The World Cup remains the pinnacle in terms of any sporting event. And we basically hand the considerable power that comes with that to these individuals in power structures where there's no it's not like there's any kind of op- opposition party to challenge them. They're almost they're 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 left because of the way 
because the power given to them by these executive president roles, uh, European football essentially left their whims. And if you look at it in real terms, it essentially meant that, you know, the, the World Cup has just been given to Saudi Arabia. There's ongoing questions about Sheffron because it is Sheffron, not UEFA, his stance on, on issues like multi-cup projects, on state ownership. Um, and all of this feeds into this story. Uh, I mean, so I, I think it, it will be the start of a considerable move against Sheffron, but also it will be, uh, it, you know, it, it could end up, given the European Court of Justice has started to look at football in that way, uh, from the recent Super League case, it, it could end up uh, a change to, uh, well, I think I would hope, uh, the, uh, the executive presidential uh, role within these organisations. When you bring the Super League element into it, Miguel, I mean, are there two sides to it, like there were for the recent Super League judgment, for example? You can see, on one hand, that there are considerable conflicts of interest within UEFA, but that doesn't necessarily mean that a Super League should happen, which obviously was oh, made explicit in the, in, the, in the judgment. But I guess, yeah. even if this does lead to some much-needed reform, in terms of yeah. power structure, does it give an opportunity and does it create a vacuum that the organisers of the Super League will hope to leap into? Now, I actually think because of the decision in December that it's too late for that form of the Super League because they, they, ne they never put in a proposal beforehand. They never, they never kind of asked for permission to set up a league. Also, there are questions over how it would work despite their attempts to kind of say this is for the benefit of European football. That, but the, the the other side to this has always been that the Super League arose out of genuine flaws in the game, and mm. not not least the kind of um, uh, disparity of resources, what that's done to competitive balance. It's just I think the solution proposed was wrong football. But what the ruling in December now does, while it's a victory for UEFA over that form of the Super League, it does mean that if anyone comes to UEFA with the proposal for competition, that is in the, the better interests of European football, like, for example, spreading the wealth around the rest of the game. Uh, you know, because as, as we've discussed in the pod before, you know, Eastern Europe, say, large of it, because of the way, because of the economy of football now, large of it, a lot of it is a wasteland in that regard, as regards what it could be. Um, well, that, then that, that, that gives UEFA a lot to consider. And I think, I, I'm not sure UEFA, are in, in the current mould under... Um, under Sheffron are responding to this in the proactive way they should but I think that that speaks to a lot of issues in football right now spreading the wealth throughout the game what a thought eh but this is a banger of a question from Lewis we always get bangers by the way but this is a proper proper banger it's going to take a while uh, to read the entire uh, question now hmm. but bear with us because it's worth it um, guys picking up on the fascinating this is from Lewis like I said hey guys picking up on the fascinating discussion that you had on the last Ask OTC pod regarding the downfall of Sevilla and Villarreal. One crucial aspect that I think warrants a bigger discussion is the impact that Florentino Perez's youth team approach at Real Madrid is having on the buy low, sell high clubs of the recent past. Real Madrid's model has started to be copied by Chelsea, PSG, Barcelona, etc. And as more of the rich clubs take on those young up-and-comers, where does that leave the clubs that used to sell up-and-comers to the rich clubs? Villarreal, Sevilla, and to a lesser degree, Dortmund, have switched from buying youth to rebuying aging stars of the past. And I'd say it's not working. I worry that some of these 
clubs now find themselves in a downward spiral as they don't have a clear model to sustain them the way that they've been used to. So, and here it's coming to an end. This is the conclusion. So what business model should these clubs who successfully did buy low, sell high in the 2000s to the 2020s era, what should they do now? Look for new markets to find players, keep rolling the dice on ageing players, wait for the rich clubs to start selling the players that don't work out. Uh, Partner with rich clubs like Girona and City Group, a lot to get your head around, but it's worth both of you having a go at this. Yeah, it's it's, it's a great question. Um, Mm. I, I guess it really depends on what, you think is the cause of Sevilla and Villarreal, for example, and I realise it's not just about them and their their downfall. I mean, I think it goes down simply to strategy not being sharp enough and not being defined enough because uh, Luis talked about uh, Florentino Perez and you know producing players through the youth team. In a way, Real Madrid were way, way ahead of... Um, a, a lot of these clubs that I think you look particularly at uh, Manchester City and uh, and Chelsea who use their academy for, for profit rather than for first team players. Because I think if you look at the players in the early part of the 21st century that were produced not just from La Masia, we know La Masia, that's part of football lexicon. Not as many people know La Fabrica, the factory, which is the Real Madrid Academy which has produced an extraordinary amount of first-team players. The difference is less of those were actually used in the Real Madrid first team, at least initially. They might have gone somewhere else, proved themselves and come back. But quite few of those actually went into... So you, you have like icons like um, Raul, for example, but he's very... Or Ica Casillas, but they're very much in the minority. And that is part of the reason they're so iconic, because that's in the minority. But there was never the same cultural pressure at Real Madrid to include players in the first team, to include homegrown players in the first team, as there was at Barcelona. Why? Well, part of that is a historical thing, because you look at Barcelona and the fact that they always identified now globalization has changed this a little bit barcelona mean different things to different people now and it's more of a, a football thing than a historical thing if you look at how and barcelona are perceived thing, over the world well it's less a political thing i would say mm-hmm. now whereas barcelona were always associated with representing catalonia it's something that pep guardiola found so incredibly exhausting that he couldn't just be a football coach and he's very much enjoyed just being a football coach at, at bayern and manchester city subsequently For that reason, there was a huge cultural pressure for them to have a homegrown spine to what they did. And, of course, the fact if you go back years, they didn't have government backing to the same level as Real Madrid did, often uh, um, from a certain point of view. So I think if you look at how Sevilla and Villarreal were still able to exist in this environment when Real Madrid red players for market so that was that was never an issue they were still able to find players like say a a, a Danny Alves or or, or a Marco Senna or, or, or whatever and they were still able particularly in the case of Sevilla to produce their own but mainly these are clubs that have been smart traders rather than have prolifically produced players from their academy so it's, it's slightly different 
I think it comes down to an identity crisis. There's something that David Cartledge has touched on before, especially with Sevilla, where you look at they win such an unprecedented run of European trophies. So obviously the natural thing to, to think is, how do you go on to the next level? And you do that by buying more experienced players. But then, of course, you're killing the golden goose because you're reaching a situation where they are now, where they're stuffed with aging players on fat contracts and absolutely nothing to sell. That is the huge problem that they've they've got at the moment. So I think, you know, you can look at Girona and how they, on one hand, they've been so successful. They, they are part of the City group, but they're expected to wash their own faces. They're not endlessly funded by something else. You know, there's a limit to what they can do and they have had to be smart in the market. So it's still possible to be smart on the mark in the market. Nevertheless, Miguel, is that model now broken, the buy them cheap and sell them high model? Um, it's not broken, actually. What has happened is, it ha- at least for the clubs outside the elite, it's become a victim of its own success. This is something that, actually, <coughs> the most horrific name drop here of all time. I was speaking to Wenger about this at the start of the season. We discussed it on the pod, where the market has essentially followed its logical proge- progression where clubs, especially the major clubs, have belatedly realised the absurdity of paying huge fees for players in their late 20s and early 30s. So more and more of the elite clubs have been going younger, basically, because uh, it makes much more sense. Um, the best example of this is Real Madrid, as we discussed in the main pod this week. Um, but And the most extreme example is Chelsea, who have similarly probably taken it to absurd extremes. But of course, that... Um, that uh, creates attention for all the clubs who are basically perfecting this model. And yeah, what it was suggested in the question, what they probably have to do almost is look for those who don't quite cut it uh, at the bigger clubs or those who maybe don't meet their potential and can maybe be, maybe be brought on another way. Or who you know, maybe, maybe it leads to another sort of kind of um, correction of the market. And that may, maybe suddenly for the, for the, it flips and for the, these these kind of less wealthy clubs, they see value now in going for older players who maybe actually have to recalibrate their careers a bit as as they go on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
I think it's fair to say that this next question is just for you, Miguel. Uh, this is from <laughs> Jeremy on Twitter. Can an Osasuna fan enjoy seeing Athletic and Lariel <laughs> do well, or is it more of an anyone but them please reaction? Of course, I would say, you know, it's quite a moot question because I'm always, as a professional journalist, able to separate the professional from the personal. <laughs> but but you know, it, it does speak to, but it, it speaks to interesting issues, I think, for fans of the game as a whole. I mean, like, as Osasuna and Real Sociedad, it, 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 they would have always said it, and it's funny the way this goes. I mean, for all we talk about kind of the big clubs and the super clubs, the nature of football and the football pyramid and the wage race means that no matter what level you go to, there's always a bigger fish you complain about. And a, a club that would complain about bigger fish above them, well, to someone else, they're the kind of they're the exact same problem. Um, so I mean, you can even see, like, say in broader terms. Celtic and Scotland there, and then when Celtic go into Europe and play the real big boys, similar, Osasuna and Real Sociedad would always have seen Athletic Bilbao as the big beast in the area who, I suppose, because of their policies on, on players, would always attract the best talent that they were trying to cultivate. Uh, but that said, it also has to be spoken of now within, and fans have to think about this too, especially where the game is more financially polarised than at any point in history. Um it can while they can while fans can be envious of the success of clubs like Bilbao or rivals, they can also look to it as an example of what they can potentially do in this very stratified game. Um, so it can be, I think it's one of those things that can be both bad for your own rivalry, but yet good for the wider game and potentially uh, uh, illustrate an example going forward. Well, okay, and this one, this is my favourite one of today because it's got uh, a food uh, aspect to it. <laughs> Don't overdo it, yes. I like my food. Stuart on Twitter says, has the burgeoning foodie scene in UK grounds led by the likes of Footy Scran been mirrored elsewhere on the continent or was their food always decent inside the stadiums in general? Because I've had some very forgettable bocadillos in Madrid. Bocadillos aside, Andy, you, you've been all over the continent uh, to football grounds tasting food, haven't you? Well, I think the crux of the question here is inside the stadiums. Because inside and around the stadiums, very, very different. Of course, you'll have yeah. forgettable food at football stadiums all over the, the, the world. Any stadiums, football, baseball, whatever. Yeah, I, 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 th I think so. And in fact, I remember the first time I went to a game in um, Iceland, I went to a game between, um, was it, I think it would have been a European Championship qualifier between uh, Iceland and Romania. And what they did, they literally ordered like 100 pizzas from Telepizza and sat, stood there with the boxes on a pasting table selling slices. It's unbelievable. I've, I've never seen anything quite like well, that. Well, you expected them to have a pizza oven in the stadium. It's the well, easiest the, way to go, isn't it? Something, it's, a, it's a bit youth club, isn't it? I mean, we, we're, talk, we're talking about a qualification campaign for a major championship. Any, anyway, any, 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 anyway, enough about the Icelandic FA's brazen profiteering. <laughs> I, I think when you go to places all over Europe, the, the football culture, the food culture, around the ground is always, always more interesting. And I think, where is that thing of developing, like say my own team, AFC Wimbledon, like sort of having almost a, a portable 
food market with within the stadium that's something that i i don't see a lot of places on on the continent or what you might see at dulwich hamlet or whatever that that doesn't really happen now it's different i guess when you come to a club like we were talking about real sociedad for example you could argue and several people will argue that san sebastian has the the, the best food in spain but for that reason like the food is so good in the city centre, why would you ever go and eat food outside a football ground? Especially when it's when it's relatively close. So I think there's an understanding that there's you know you you can't compete when when you can just go into a pub and get something that's absolutely exceptional in the city centre of San Sebastian. Why would you think you know what I might I might, I might hang on and you know go for a sandwich that's in better days just outside the ground. Well, you know, uh, Andy makes a compelling argument. I have a theory about this, if you don't mind me throwing this in the mix, Miguel, that um, you've got to keep it simple inside the ground. So, for example, you go to a baseball ground, you get peanuts. They're great. Yeah, they chuck yeah. a pack of peanuts at you and maybe a hot dog, but everything right. else has got to be around yeah, it's, the it's, stadium. Well, well, also, surely, something that is uh, makes logistical sense, something you can hold. You don't, you don't want any kind of difficult, you know, and that involves a fork, really, uh, when you're just standing there or sitting there watch, watching football. Um, and, of course, the classic one from Spain is the simplicity of uh, of peepers, uh, sunflower seeds, which, you know, if you go to any Spanish stadium, it's beca- it's, beca- it's become famous. Uh, you, see, you see the discarded um, hips on the ground. Talking of something you can hold, and you were talking about the hot dog there. Um, inside the ground in, in Germany is, is, is slightly different because you do have the fork and you do have the plate. And of course, when you take it back, you get refunded. And that has been the case for decades. So this idea of like intensifying recycling efforts, mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, ordering bottles of lemonade in the, in, in the UK from your milkman in the 1980s, you know, that, uh, and, you know, getting your deposit on the bottle back when you take it back, that idea of recycling has has never gone away, and you you see that outside the stadiums as well. You know, you you see um, guys pushing around shopping trolleys where they collect bottles and cans so they can get the deposits back. And you know, you, you had some guy making four grand at the two thousand and six World Cup through collecting empties, for for example. You see that I mean, at Swedish stadiums a lot as well, by the way. Yes, they come with big plastic bags, you know, bin bags, and just pile in all the rubbish that you've done. Environmentally friendly and mildly profitable. Just a final word on this, Miguel, from you. Um, why are the bocadillos in Madrid so forgettable? Oh, I'm not sure I'd agree with that. Uh, oh, you, you mean in the Bernabeu? Or yeah, in generally? Yeah, yeah, at the Bernabeu. I mean, look, ultimately, um, <laughs> it comes back to Andy's maxim there. Club, clubs generally are trying to um, maximise profits, which means high prices for... Not necessarily the best care, but any, and you can get much better stuff just outside the stadium. The mistake is actually buying in the stadium in the first place. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for listening to Ask OTC. You can't say we didn't feed you on this one. If you would like to ask a question, <laughs> you can contact us at any time at Radio Dotson, at Andy Brassel, at Miguel Delaney, or at OTC Pod. And of course, you can email us OTC at footballramble.com. On the Continent is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.